0: Hey, I'm Alex and I work alongside David Rosendahl here at MindFire. Unfortunately, Dave cannot record the introduction to the Pixels and Ink podcast due to family illness, so you get me instead. Today we will hear David and Mackenzie Linders as they grill Mike Robinson of Summit Direct Mail to discover their methods for growing to $45 million in sales selling Direct Mail and OptiChannel. Expect to find out how they did it including the unusual personality trait that has made their company successful the number one tip he would give himself 15 years ago if he were just starting his journey, and the fatal deal killer that keeps print sales access from closing more business. So without further ado, let's go and we'll let Dave take it away. I assume that most of you know who we are at Mindfire, but I, I want to give a quick introduction to uh, Mindfire and then I'm going to bring Mackenzie on and Mike so that we can start our interview discussion here. We are a software company, we work with thousands of printers and agencies, B2B organizations, B2C organizations, and at the core of what we do, we help these organizations reach and engage their customers and their prospects on the channel that's right for each of those individuals. So our software is called OptiChannel, meaning it finds the optimal channel for each individual and helps companies engage those communications at scale in order to drive leads, grow sales, grow brand, or all of those objectives are things that our customers are doing. And you you can see here on the screen, we work with uh, service providers. Those are folks like many of you here in the room who are commercial printers or agencies, and we equip you to be able to service your clients, thousands of global brands like the ones you see here on the screen. And so that you understand the vantage point from which we are bringing you this interview, and how we're going about asking these questions of Mike. We really help our clients do two things. First of all, as I've said, we help you build and sell Opti Channel campaigns to your clients. That's number one. And number two, we also help organizations market these applications, these Opti Channel campaigns to their customer base and to their prospects to drive more demand for these types of services. So that's the vantage point from which I bring you today's interview with Mike. When you all signed up, you asked your questions of Mike. I've gone through all of those here. I've got a bunch of questions from the community here, and I'm excited to get into as many of those as we possibly can today. And uh, Mackenzie, who you see here on the right-hand side of the screen, and she is waving. I'm not sure if you can see that, but she's here also, is going to help me probe Mike to understand some of these very important things that are on your mind. So first, let me introduce McKinsey. McKinsey is the director of sales and demand generation here at MindFire. McKinsey, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. I'm super excited to be here. I guess I'm the only one here on the call on our side that hasn't, that is feeling hundred percent. So hopefully I'll be able to hold it down for the both of you. And yeah, we just really appreciate you spending your Friday with us. And hopefully we bring you some valuable um, insight that you can start to employ to help bring more value to your customers and your organization.
0: Thank you, Mackenzie. I appreciate you being here. And uh, yes, yeah, so what Mackenzie mm-hmm. alluding to is I am sick. My wife, unfortunately, came down a COVID positive. Mike is also not feeling well, which is why his camera is off. But we will not be deterred from bringing you this information. So that's why uh, we are here. We are committed to bringing you high-quality information in sessions like this. And so now, without further ado, what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce Mike. And since you can't see him, you'll be able to hear him. It's like a radio uh, call-in show here. But What I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce Mike. I've known Mike for about 15 years, uh, maybe a little bit more. And over that time, I have learned so much From Mike and from his organization, I've been able to watch as they've introduced innovative print solutions that are pushing really the envelope, pun intended, around how they're servicing their clients, how they're helping them generate leads and grow sales. And there are a number of unique things about what Mike and and his team are doing over at Summit One of the things that really stands out as I look at their organization is they are extremely customer focused. They will really go to the ends of the earth for their client. I know a lot of companies say that, but until you experience how Mike and his team really approach their customers, it's really unique. So that's a context for my history, our history here with Mike. As far as Summit is concerned, Summit was founded in, and Mike, I'm going to give you an opportunity to correct any of my stats here, but Summit was founded in 2003 by John Barber. Some of you know John Barber. They're in uh, Texas. Around 2007, 2008, they started working with MindFire. And Mike's going to talk to you a little bit about that today. And they've grown through a variety of different mechanisms, um, including via acquisition. And so in 2009, they purchased Texas Offset to bring printing in-house. They added two HP Indigo 7,000 presses around that time as well. Uh, fast forward a few years into 2015, uh, they began fulfillment and transactional work when a company called World Marketing went out of business, and they brought in around 65 employees through that acquisition. Uh, 2016, they continued. They uh, purchased a web-to-print platform as well as a screen, ZZ VDP Press. Uh, then in 2019, they added a Konica Minolta KM1 Press to their arsenal. And then let's see, last year, what was that, 2020, was another big milestone for Mike and uh, his crew over there uh, because they uh, they did an acquisition of the Hart Hanks Direct Mail division. And along with that came uh, Screen HD Press, a second screen ZZ VDP Press. So just a lot going on over the last uh, 10 to 15 years. And uh, I'm really honored to be able to have you with us today, Mike. Welcome to the show. Did I miss any highlights or did I misrepresent anything there about Summit?
2: No, that's... That- you did a pretty good job. You've done it a couple of times, so now I think you finally hit it. Yeah, we're we've been very fortunate. We've grown through these through some of these tough times two thousand nine, two thousand twenty. Like I said, we've just been very fortunate, and I think part of that, like you said, has been extremely customer focused, and that's keeping us moving forward.
0: We appreciate you being here, Mike. I know you're not feeling well, That's so you're a real trooper. The community appreciates that. I appreciate that, and uh, with that introduction then I'm going to get into the questions folks these are questions that you submitted Mackenzie and I are going to go back and forth ping pong here and address them to Mike and if you have additional questions as Mike is answering this let us know in the chat I've got my team there in Zoom as well as in LinkedIn and we will go as far as we can into these questions to make sure that we get what's on your mind answered Mike let me start with an easy one here over your career, let's say through your time here at Summit and maybe even beyond there, how much direct mail would you say you've sold, either in terms of pieces or or dollars? Just give us some context for your experience with direct mail.
2: I, I never really thought about it until you posed that question and asked me the other day. I, hundreds of millions, probably closer to hundreds of millions, upwards to the towards the billions, just for the sheer volume of, of what we've done since since Summit started in two thousand three. And then before that, I was with an agency doing some direct mail as well. So hundreds of millions.
0: Yeah. Clearly, even I think in the time that I've known you, it's easily half a billion pieces if yeah. you add it up. So yeah, quite, quite, a, quite a lot of, of mail being pumped out uh, through you and and through the company there. So as you look at Summit and as you think about the history that I laid out there of Summit and the organization, it's clear that you folks do some things differently. And I'm wondering if you can tease out for us one aspect of your sales process that you think has made your organization successful?
2: I I, I think the the big one is just being open to new technologies. Obviously, we started as a a letter shop, so we didn't even have print in-house. And just being open and John being the way he is about taking risks and and being innovative, just open to some of these new technologies that most people, we're usually the leading edge of grabbing this, the, the the marketing automation or the pearls or the inkjet webs or the variable digital presses, things of that nature, indigos. We just have been fortunate and we've been lucky, but we've also embraced that technology probably sooner than most people do.
0: So adopting technology faster or earlier than other companies, having a willingness to try new things, is that what I'm hearing?
2: I think so. And it gives, in my opinion, maybe a first mover advantage. I'm sure many people first mover advantage and, and sure. so being the first one of the first people to do something you 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 know typically perfect it before most people do or gain enough steam ahead of everybody else where you're always ahead a in the game
0: and so if you could go back in time mike to let's say 2003 then with knowing what you know now it's almost been what 20 years If you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, if there's people listening to us right now, either in the podcast or in LinkedIn, Zoom, wherever they happen to be hearing us right now or watching us, is there a piece of advice that you would give your younger self 20 years ago, knowing what you know now?
2: Probably just be open to change earlier. We didn't start doing this, like I said, I think 2009 is when we did the the asset purchase of Lone Star Web and picked up the mine fire side and some of the variable digital, it might not have been as readily available, but probably been open to look at more of these technologies sooner in our career. And, and we started off when we started off, we did an asset purchase. So we were buying, typically, we didn't buy a lot of new stuff. We were buying the assets of companies. And and we didn't start until probably 2009 buying new equipment, but i would say maybe the 2003 four five those areas maybe look at doing some new technologies back then maybe sooner well, interesting
0: was- so even though it's i'm hearing you say the same thing two different ways one is one thing that's made you unique and successful is adopting technologies earlier and you're saying though even with that in mind you wish you had done some of those even sooner is that yeah. right
2: and like i said we didn't really start doing that until maybe 2000 when we met you guys and so we were just a straight up putting a piece of paper in an envelope and mailing it and, and starting that way. We probably should have, I say, we, if I could have done it again, maybe come back and talk to John and say, hey, John, let's see if let's look into some more innovation or technology, whether it been faster equipment with new technology or maybe an Indigo press sooner, something along those lines.
0: Interesting. All right, Mackenzie, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a second here to ask a question of Mike. Um, but Mike, before I, I hand it over to McKinsey, when you and I were talking and getting ready for this event, one of, the, one of the things that folks always ask us, especially when they know someone like you is going to be on the show, they're very interested in understanding how you actually sell and the process around selling print and direct mail uh, to organizations. And so I'm just curious, if you could summarize for us What's one thing that you've seen that actually kills sales deals? In other words, what's something that you see either through folks that maybe have come through your organization or maybe as you're competing against others, what would you say is the number one thing that actually kills a sales deal?
2: I would say not being prepared, not being fully prepared to to handle that customer, their needs, the opportunity, basically fully vet, so to speak, the the potential lead or the person you're going after. That's the main thing. And then you and I've joked about it many times is you've already sold it. but Don't buy it back. So once you've sold it, shut the hell up and just take it and move on, but not having the true knowledge of what the customer wants and needs and understands them as best you can, before you can actually sit down. And right now it's difficult because we're very passionate about what we do and we like seeing people and talking to people. And so this time, obviously there's some challenges, but it's a lot easier to sit down with somebody face-to-face and understand some of these and have the knowledge to be able to be prepared and talk to them.
0: So I see Pamela echoing what you're saying here. I think that's the key. Not being prepared when meeting the customer kills the deal. And then the second piece of what you just said there is once you've sold it, (laughs) shut the hell up. (laughs) Stop it right there. All right, Mackenzie, let's get into some of the questions that that folks have around how to market this type of Opti Channel and, and, and direct mail service. So, what's the first question you want to throw at Mike?
1: Awesome. Yeah. So, Mike, so obviously you mentioned half a billion pieces. You've obviously been able to sell. And the thing typically that precedes selling is people knowing about that service or that offering. And that typically lies in marketing. So, a few marketing related questions to kick us off. Tyler says, Have you tested influencer marketing within your marketing? And if so, who was the business size or what was the business size industry? And was it successful when you tried to do it?
2: That one's an easy one. That's no, we have not. We're we're looking at so many other ways to sell stuff. And I don't want to say I I personally, I understand the influencer marketing, but I probably don't understand it the way I should in order to get involved in it. and, And it probably is something we need to look at, but No, we've never done that. To be honest with you, we've still tried and we're still doing our tried and true methods of of generating business. It's more difficult right now, but no, we've not done it.
1: What are some of those tried and true
2: methods? Traditional cold calls. We're very successful at trade shows, which obviously these trade shows have not been around, so they're killing us. The trade shows are now coming back up. My personal opinion, and I know people probably will disagree with me, but I hate the virtual trade show. It's terrible. My opinion, I don't get the value, me as a salesperson, get the value out of a virtual show. For us, getting in front of somebody, meeting them, the touch and feel, and those take them to lunch, take them to dinner, sit down with them in their, in their conference room, whiteboarding, or or for that matter, people come to our shop and see how impressive it is, pay for them to fly down to see our shop. and Once they see that, those are the kind of things that, that traditionally get get us new business.
1: I will. I just want to make some commentary there only because I've seen Mike at trade shows and seen his team at trade shows. There's many times where you walk by booths and people are sitting there on their phone and there's no interaction. And I'm going to say, this is unique about you, Mike and your team. I think one of the reasons why you are successful at trade shows is because you actually have the ability, or you put a lot of energy into cultivating those relationships. So how much do you think those relationships play into your ability to, A, market your company and who you are, but also keep those and foster those relationships?
2: It's huge. And and like I said, a lot of our, many of our customers are actually going to become friends of ours. Mindfire is a vendor, but I can tell you Dave and Mo and Ramin and their team They've actually been to our plant. Not only have they been at our plant, they've been out to been out with us personal places. They've been out to, to John's ranch that he has. Building those relationships and same thing with clients. We've got industries that we started off with one customer. And because that customer either leaves that and goes to another one, we've got now we've got multiple customers and in industries just simply for the sheer relationship and taking care of the customer
1: interesting
0: mackenzie i want to add two things real quick here one is if anybody is curious around how print organizations are using influencer marketing let us know there in the chat and mackenzie i'll actually ask you a few questions about that since i know that you've worked with at least one customer that I, that's coming to mind right now that's done that the second thing on the trade show facet that you just mentioned mike what i've noticed and again these are little things folks these are little things that make a big difference Mike, you when you do these trade shows, you often have something at your booth that draws people in. I'm thinking of two or three examples that I've seen. Can you talk a little bit about what those things are and how you use those to draw people in?
2: We just depending on what the show is and what and and the they're all different kinds of shows. You've got to do something that's gonna get them in you know, offer them a free this, a test of that giving away free widget, whatever it is, you got to get them to stop it. Most, all the salespeople know, these people that have done these shows that are on this, that are on this, this call, they know you got to differentiate and separate yourself out. So each customer, each one of us is different and you just have to find something that makes yourself stand out above anybody and everybody else. Back in the days when they had the DMA, that's tough. The DMA was nothing but all of us people doing the same thing. So you had to stand out more than than normal, whether it's hanging something huge from the ceiling for someone to see, whether it's having a, I don't lack of a better word, a good-looking girl at our booth dealing cards to play blackjack, a 3D machine where people can stop and look and see what 3D printing is, just something, right? And so you've got to do something to make yourself stand out, to at least get them to stop and look. The one that, that, that lately that we've done, and I think we've talked about this on a couple of other shows that we've done, is the make direct mail great again, we all know where that mm-hmm. came from. And either they're gonna walk by and say, I love it, or they're gonna run by saying, you guys are idiots. But either way, they're gonna see us. Most people are laugh and think it's funny and some play on words, whatever, but it gets people to stop. And, and so that's yep. the key is to differentiate yourself and make yourself stand out above everybody.
0: Darren is asking here if you could just quickly rattle off a few names of the trade shows that perhaps you attended in the past, Mike, since I know it's been a little suppressed lately. Just a few. What are the shows that you go to?
2: Some leads conferences. We're actually doing a pizza show. Um, actually doing a pizza show, I think in two weeks. We've looked at casino marketing, any financial services show, nonprofit shows. At this point in time, anything that you can find that you think is going to fit your specific niche or the industries that you cover. We've gone to shows where... We used to be the only direct mailer, and that was awesome. We used to try to find those. Now those are few and far between. There might be 15 or 20 of us, or 10 of us. But any kind of industry show, like I said, nonprofits, lead shows. We do. We have a lot of internet type shows, and believe it or not, we've got a lot of business out of internet-generated internet shows that are talking about, you know, SEO, SEM, those kinds of shows. Because there is some kind of mix, and some people realize it, some people don't. Shows like that as well.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember the show that that we talked about most recently. I think it was the Ryan Dice Great Show. Folks, if somebody could Google that, Ryan Dice, I think Mini Ryan, uh, I think that was the show that you're talking um, about.
2: That's Traffic and Conversion.
0: Yes, TNC. There we go. Yep.
2: And and we'll be attending that in San Diego.
0: Let me move to another question here, Mike, from Coakley's actually with USPS, which is interesting. And Coakley says, how do you communicate to cross-functional teams in an organization, especially when those teams are leaning more towards ad spend on digital. What's your thought on that?
2: If you figure that out, let me know, because (laughs) the problem that we have in our industry on the direct mail side is they're separate. And if I'm doing direct mail for the marketing team that has direct mail, there's also the digital side. And to get in and do that, it's very difficult and it's a fight. And, We've got a client right now that they're attributing a lot of stuff to digital, but it's not. I don't want to say it's, po- it's not possible, but by doing all the direct mail we do, driving them to the personalized URLs and, and some of the stuff that they're doing, I don't know how that their digital is doing the stuff that it's doing. It's difficult. I, I don't know. It's. I, I don't know how to get to, to effectively tell you guys how to. Do. That's one of those ones that still stumps me because it's a fight internally and to talk to that other group is difficult because then you still have to deal with your direct mail marketing side and, and you just gotta be careful. I, it's one I can't answer.
0: Yeah. yeah, Coakley is here and says, thank you for using my question and thank you for acknowledging the difficulty in in challenging the digital spend. So Coakley, yes, it's something that even uh, from a company like Mike's that's successful and has been growing with print, it is obviously still a challenge. Mackenzie, what's the next question you have here for Mike?
1: Yeah, so Mike, obviously you sell a lot of direct mail and someone asks here, they obviously must sell direct mail too. They say, look, I know how to sell direct mail. So how can I ramp up Opti channel with it?
2: And and you're probably, and I know we've talked about some of these questions and and it's going to be the same answer to a number of these, but you just got to test it. You can't just roll it out because you might get them for one time and they leave. You got to test it. So if you're doing direct mail, you do direct mail. Hey guys, let's just test a small portion. And that small portion you test, you either maybe give them a rollout pricing for that test, or you do it at a significantly reduced cost to make it easier. So, to reduce that barrier to entry and walk through it and say, look, we're gonna do direct mail and we're gonna tie <clears throat> email to it. We're gonna tie personalized URLs to it. But here's what we're gonna do we're gonna give it to you at, you normally mail a million pieces. We're only gonna test 100,000. You know, let, I'll give you the million piece price, or you know what? I'll do it for half the price or whatever. You just got to do something to show them that you believe in it as well. And you're willing to, you're willing to basically put some of your money online saying, Hey, I know it's going to work so well that I'm going to pay for some of this. I'll make my money back months later when you ramp this thing up. That's what we typically do.
1: Okay, I think this is a really important point because a lot of people stand at the point of, I do direct mail and I want to do OptiChannel. I don't know how to get there. So just to be clear, what you're saying is for your customers that you run direct mail for, that you want to help them do OptiChannel along with it, you do a subset of the total mail volume and you test it for either a less expensive fee or something to show, look, you have skin in the game, you believe in it, and hey, we're going to do a test on it to see if it actually works. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. That is correct. Absolutely
1: perfect and yeah. just a follow up there are your customers typically receptive to it or at that point do you experience pushback
2: um yeah i think they are but then it goes back to the last question we talked about is everybody wants to do offline channel marketing right and and this is the challenge that i still haven't figured out and i think it's a case by case or customer by customer basis is they have divisions within their company and everybody is fighting for their leads they don't want to lose their job because it was attributed to digital versus direct and Et cetera. So it it is very difficult, right? The, for the groups that do have the ability and can make those decisions to do the testing, that's great. For the ones that you do have to go to that other group and test, you just got to find ways around it and show them the challenge. It's hard enough to try to sell business as a vendor to be a vendor for somebody new, but when you're fighting internal struggles with the the, the digital team versus the direct team, etc., it's difficult. And believe me, I wish I had the answer. It's And I don't, it's just gonna, you have to take it case by case and come up with creative ways to try to figure it out.
1: So Paloma here has a question live Q&A from the audience and it's a follow-up to what you said. Shoot, by doing the testing for half the price, let's say or at a discounted rate, wouldn't the customer want the same price in the future? So let's get your feedback on that. When you do a test, at some sort of rate how do you combat that is that risky to you what do you do about in that situation
2: so it depends right if it's somebody doing a small volume it's never going to pan out and, and no but if i'm get, if i've got a customer doing a decent amount of volume and they've been a customer for a while or the long-term opportunity you think about it this way okay all right i'm going to give somebody a free test of x and it might cost me a couple thousand bucks or whatever the number is right How much is it going to go cost you to see it? You got fly, you got hotels, you got dinner. So there's money there. Allocate that. And typically I tell them up front, I'm saying, look guys, I'm going to give you this rollout pricing. And the rollout pricing is that's what it is. And so when you want to move forward, that's what you're going to get. However, if you stay at this quantity, this is going to be your price, right? I know it's going to work. And this is what, in order for it to work, this is what you need to do. And I don't think I've ever ran into it where I gave somebody somebody some of the discount. Everybody wants something for nothing. We all know that. But when they see value, great. If it doesn't work, then we move on.
0: So I'm seeing some really interesting uh, discussion over there in LinkedIn that I want to just add on top of what you're saying here, Mike. So Aaron, Aaron was saying, hey, look, all jobs should be made at a profit. Anything else is a gamble. You should never gamble. Business isn't a gamble. That's one interesting view. And then John Miglaus, my friend over there says, Aaron, approving testing is never a gamble. And I have never, he put that in all caps seen a valid holdout test that didn't end up proving male as the most effective ROI so Mike some interesting uh, perspectives I I on, John, on what you're saying
2: I know John and I agree with John everything is a risk right it's risk reward so if you're willing to take the risk and see the reward if you're not then stay charge your normal rates and go from there and and, and just continue doing your business the way you've been doing it if I if we would be do if we would have done what that gentleman is saying, we wouldn't be at the sales number. We are. We probably wouldn't have had the indigos. We probably, we definitely wouldn't have had as many screen presses as we had. It's a risk reward. If you're willing to take the risk, it is. Are you going to fail sometimes? Sure. But it's like everything else. Just like venture capital puts a ton of money in a bunch of different things. At the end of the day, some work, some don't work. The ones that work pay for the ones that, that don't work and you start growing. I disagree with his thoughts, but everybody has a right to their own opinion.
0: Mark is asking you, Mike, what is the minimum volume you use to justify a test?
2: For direct mail, what we always say typically is it's got to be something that is substantial that the metrics work out for. So typically, we don't recommend anything less than, it depends on what the the industry is and what it is, but five to 10,000 pieces, 20,000 pieces. Again, it just depends on what the market is, what the industry is. But you want to test 1,000 pieces, 500 pieces. It's a waste of, It's it's a waste of. Sorry about that. It's a waste of time, right? It's got to be something that one or two one or two responders are going to significantly skew the results.
0: Mackenzie, you get your next question ready. There are so many juicy ones here. I'm going to ask this next one. Came in from Denny uh, Ells. He said, "Hey, look, we target subprime consumers or auto dealerships." So how would we use OptiChannel within our direct mail programs? And I know, Mike, you have some experience in this vertical. So what would you say to Denny?
2: I've done it. And what I typically do with that is I don't, again, OptiChannel is everything, right? So with our current, some of the current automotive stuff that we're doing, we are doing direct mail, we are doing personalized URLs, and I believe we're doing ringless voicemail. Depending on what in the auto industry, what they're doing, it works extremely well. I'm not quite sure... I know he's an industry vet, veteran and people respect a lot what, I know who Denny is. And and personally, I would absolutely use direct mail with personalized URLs for sure. And then again, depending on what they're doing inside of the auto industry, potentially ringless voicemail, email, time some email to informed delivery, things of that nature.
1: Yeah, this is yeah. an interesting question from Mike because he almost has it the reverse, but how did or how does... Opti channel campaign. So offering the digital side, as you call it, and the pearls of QR codes, how does that, and how did that help you build your direct mail business?
2: Good question. So we actually, there were times that we went in with personalized URLs only because at some point mail is mail. A lot of people ask direct mail, anybody can print, anybody can mail. Again, thinking outside the box, getting into new different technologies. We got into initially back, whatever date that was, Dave, seven, eight, whatever. There wasn't, it really wasn't, it really wasn't Occhi Channel. It was basically personalized URLs, basically all it was. There was some email tied to it, but they really didn't tie it back then to all of that. So we would, hey, you're a mailer, you're a mailer just like everybody else. Yeah, but we've got personalized URLs. Well, what is that? Well, tell me about that. So we'd say, hey, look, let's do this do the mail with me. I'll give you 5,000, 10,000 personalized URLs. You help pay to build the site. And then we'll give you five, 10,000 personalized URLs, three, or, Hey, we're going to do 50,000 pieces. I'll do half of it. No cost. And do the other half you pay for, or we'll do half of them. And then the other half, no personalized URLs. So we started implementing and utilizing technology to get the mail. There were more times when, and Dave, you've been in plenty of shows with us that we offered yep. the personalized URLs to get us in the door to get the mail. And there were customers yep. I've had customers that I never had their mail, and all I had was their their personalized URL Mindfire solution. And then I've had some that I had it for a little while, and then I ended up getting everything. It's just yep. whatever you can do to get in to get your core business, and that's what we did. Yep.
0: Understood. Good. Good question here from Ruben McKenzie that I'm going to take here, and then I think we should move to the infrastructure questions just based on where we are in the time here. Uh, Ruben is saying. How do you help someone who doesn't know how to communicate with you what they actually need when they don't understand the USPS requirements and printing? I find more and more customers who are in the buying management position who have no idea about the how and the why. They just want results and they're always looking for the cheapest vendor. My goodness. What do you do in that case, Mike?
2: Move on. We have it all the time. And so there's a challenge right now, right? And so the challenge that we have right now is people there's a ton of people in the industry, papers at a shortage, papers at a premium, we can't get paper. I'm still struggling right now to figure out how I'm going to get everything out for August because we don't have all the paper. So yep. um, the, the, first of all, you never want to sell, and we all know this, you never want to sell to the vendor management because all they're looking for is the best price. So if you can find the person that they're actually buying for, that's going to be a bonus. If not, it's a difficult sale. The, the problem, understanding the postal service, you almost have to, it, it depends on the value of the customer if you get the business. If it's something that you're only gonna make, you're only doing 10,000 pieces every quarter, I'd probably move on. But if it's something that could have show, or if it's 10,000 a quarter, you think you can grow it, which we have, then maybe you have to spend the time and educate them on the postal, the spend, the value, ROI, all of these other things. Like I said, the difficult piece right now is the challenge. We're struggling right now to find people. So to spend the time to go after something that you've got to decide whether or not this is the business decisions now, what do you want to do? Do you want to go after these people that you don't know? It's definitely a challenge and, and we're seeing it and we're struggling every day with it.
1: Yeah. So Mike, it's obviously clear that your organization was what I call a trailblazer, right? You were willing to invest in things to see the future return that is going to bring you and more value to your customers. So let's think about those organizations who aren't there yet. This question I get often, and I think it's fantastic from Bryce. How do you convince the owners of your organization that they need to be open to more than just plain direct mail?
0: Wow. That's a good one, Mac.
1: It's And I get asked all the time. So everyone out there who's wondering, how do I sell this up in my organization? Let's hear to Mike, who's actually been able to do it. Mike, how do you do that? What's your advice? I
2: actually actually haven't been able to do it because I hadn't needed to. John and I have been around since before Summit. So John and I have known each other before Summit. And it's very easy. John is a very open person and he's willing to try anything. And I've been fortunate to not have to push. Now, what I will say Is the first time we bought an indigo, I might've been looking for a job in about another month or two, but and we knew it worked and it panned out. But I've been very fortunate. Honestly, do not know. I think you have to take it the same way you you talk to your customers is try to convince them to test. If they're not growing, if they're not evolving and growing, probably not going to be going. They're probably going to be stagnant. In my opinion, they're probably going to be stagnant in the business that they're in now. They're not going to look at new ways, new innovations, getting rid of old presses and going to digital presses or trying new and innovative things. They might be successful. Like I said, in my opinion, they might be successful and just continue generating the same amount of money they do for the last five or 10 years, or they might go away. I don't know, but my opinion is you have to grow and evolve. If you don't, you're going to die.
0: I want to piggyback on that. Something that I've seen, the management teams and the ownership of organizations who are successful with this, like yours, Mike, do that I think many companies fail to achieve, which is aligning the comp structure for their salespeople in a way that motivates the behaviors that actually drive success for their customers using OptiChannel. And so George asked a very similar question. How do you or how did you set up your sales structure compensation and such to promote selling programs versus just print jobs. So well,
2: they get paid on everything, right? So we get paid on every single thing that we do and every dollar you add to that bottom line invoice, they're gonna get paid on it. So the more you can sell, the more value you can add. If it's just printing and mailing, it's printing and mailing, but, but if it's printing, mailing, email, personalized URLs, social, whatever, they get paid on it. And depending on the margins and what it is, it could be more than what the direct mail is.
0: Got it. Yeah, I think that's an important facet that I've seen John Barber and Mike Robinson and the team do there.
2: So one of the things that maybe separates us from other people is we're a sales-driven organization. And yes. I'm fortunate to be on the sales side as well. And he never messes with sales. You don't have sales, you don't have a company. And so we very rarely does he mess with us. Let's do what we need to do. And you start, and again, in my opinion, you start messing with sales again. You're headed down the wrong path.
0: Yep. Yep. Let us know if you have questions around that. Very true. What Mike just said. And I've definitely seen that firsthand. McKenzie, what's the next question that we have for Mike?
2: I want to say one thing. What I will say about Dave and his team is we utilize them every day still. So I've got some stuff that I do internally myself and I can continue to do it myself. I've got a number of customers that are extremely, they're not difficult themselves, but some of their campaigns are extremely difficult. And I can tell you right now, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without the team with Faria and Ramin and Dave, and that group. they help me significantly on a daily slash weekly basis. And I wouldn't have some of the very large business I have without their stuff. So they do a great job. So if you don't have the, the resources um, internally to do it, they've got a great professional services team that can definitely handle it. They take too many vacations, but-
1: they, they... <laughs> He had to, he couldn't have left he, without he, it.
2: He, he, I, you know, he, he, I had he, to say it.
1: You had to. <laughs> <He> had to. <laughs> just what he's referring to is just so you know, Dave started at the beginning of the session and the first thing I think he said is, hey, Mindfire is a software company, right? That's absolutely true. We have a- software that we license to you, you use it. However, many organizations need an extra set of hands, right? Either resources or technical team members who can assist them. And that's what Mike is referring to. Mike does, as he said, a lot on his own with his team internally to use the software, but they also rely on and partner with our um, internal agency that provides him an extra set of hands to be able to implement some of those. So that's what he's referring to. Mike, I'm gonna go a little off off the cusp here and just ask a question. The reason I'm asking is because a lot of, I I experience this a lot with customers. So you've talked about how you as an organization, play the risk reward game and are willing to take risks to be able to get that reward. What do you say to the companies who say, Hey, we want to offer Opti Channel, We want to do all of this. We're just going to wait until we actually have a customer that's going to pay us before we take the leap to invest. What do you say to those organizations?
2: Again, if I would have done that, I wouldn't have some of the presses that we have. And some of the ways that we've gone about doing things, is we've partnered with companies like, for example, our variable digital presses. We just didn't go out and buy a $3 million variable digital press. We partnered with people that had it, and and we tried to generate the interest in the business before. There are ways to go and sell and get products. For example, I would have no problem, I've done this for Dave and Mackenzie before. Hey, if you guys got a customer that you guys that are trying to get, and they don't want to go and go down the whole path, if they want to do a test campaign, call me. I'll help you guys out. And if it works, they can move over, join MindFire. If it doesn't work, then they can do one-offs with me for as long as they want to do it. But the goal is to get them to become a customer of MindFire. And most times it works. You've got to find ways around that. You can't. You don't want to build it and they will come. I get it because there's a lot of money and there's a lot of technology out there. But there are ways around the appearance that you have built it. For them to start mm-hmm. coming whether it's partnering with somebody that has the technology yeah I mean, I, I, with our variable digital presses we've partnered with a number of companies that that we're actually sourcing they're actually sourcing business to us and once they generate the volume that they think they need to generate that press then they're going to buy it and or they won't or they'll buy that press and keep that business with me there are ways around that that appearance
0: love that thank you mike for making that offer folks if you heard that and that interested you, again, the link that we just dropped into the chat and the link that you see here at the bottom of the screen, go there. Let us know if this is something that would be useful to you. I see a question here from Coakley uh, McKenzie that I want to make sure I hit. Coakley, again, thank you for these questions. And Coakley, if you think there's more that we can do together to help USPS and our mutual customers and our mutual love here for print, let me know. Let us know. But here's Coakley's question. We hear from customers, Mike, that the cost of using mail... Is too high however the response rate and the profit per sale is pretty good what are you hearing mike from your customers regarding the cost of uh, postage the cost of paper ink processing etc
2: good question so it's crazy the rate that they're raising the postage rate to the first class we're actually having clients probably leaving first class and going back to testing standard just because of significant increase in postage rates one good thing i think is found out of it true to true postcard is a four by six postcard, right? But everybody calls a six by nine or six by 11 a postcard. One of the things I think they're going to be implementing is making a six by nine an actual postcard to go postcard rate. So that is one positive. It is a challenge. Paper costs are going up. Manufacturing costs are going up. We can't find labor. And then the other challenge is people are leaving other vendors and looking for new vendors because they don't have the materials. They're going to find people that have materials. So it's this month from my understanding, and this has got off the subject a little bit, but August is probably gonna be the toughest month in the business that I've ever been in with just sourcing envelopes, paper. It's already, it's only the first couple of days of August and it's probably, it's worse than the 25, 23, 25 years that I've been in the business. Again, I don't, I, I'm not sure how to answer that other than yes, it does. There are additional costs and there are a lot more costs. You're gonna to have to find ways to get to keep that ROI. Whether it's not mailing as much, refining your data, utilizing maybe more true variable digital with some opti-channel to increase the the ROI or the cost of acquisition, pairing down some of your data lists, and and, and maybe doing some analytics of, re- maybe removing a couple of your desks. The only thing I can tell you. I, My opinion. Tough
0: times. Folks, if you resonate, are you hearing what Mike's saying? And if you're resonating with that, I want to know. Drop some X's in LinkedIn over here in Zoom. And I have a question for all of you since we've been asking Mike the questions. I want to ask all of you a question. Um, We still have about six minutes here. So Mackenzie, if you can just get the next question ready while I ask the audience this question. I want to know from all of you, whether you're in LinkedIn or over here in Zoom, what was the one thing that stood out to you today that Mike gave us here in the time that he spent with us that has made an impact on you, something that you jotted down, something that sparked a new idea for you, something that gave you a new insight. Please give us the gift of some feedback. Drop that into Zoom or over in LinkedIn. Tell us what it was that stood out that you appreciate uh, of what Mike has shared here. Take a moment and do that. I'll read some of them off when they come in. Take a second to please write that down. Mackenzie, what's the next question we have for Mike? Keeping an eye on the time here. We've got five minutes.
1: Yep, I want to go one more sales because Mike said that they are a sales for first organization. So I want to hit another sales question. Tactically, Mike, what's the infrastructure of your sales team? So do you have a prospector? Is there a project manager? How do you support them? What's your sales infrastructure?
2: Basically, we've got sales and customer service, right? We have people like myself and a handful of other people that go out and find the leads, go in, try to close them. And then once the deals are, are done closed, We hand that off to a very seasoned, very good customer support group, customer service group that basically takes it and handles the day-to-day stuff. You try not to get involved as much as possible. Obviously, as a salesperson, you go back, make sure things are running properly, add new value, things like that. But the day-to-day stuff, we try to hand it off to them, leave it to them, say, guys, if you've got this, you've got this. I need to go out and make some more sales. And, And that's basically how we work. We don't have a lot of middle farming stuff, we've got sales, we got customer service. We sell it, we bring it in, they handle it, and, and obviously we keep an eye on it, but then we go out and go get more. Uh,
0: a question that came in earlier, I want to make sure I don't miss this one, McKinsey, because I know it's important uh, for many in the community. Mike, tell us a little bit about how you've resourced your organization to be able to build and manage these campaigns. You touched on it a little bit. When you said some of it is stuff that MindFire does for you, but what does it look like <laughs> internally to be able to use OptiChannel and create these types of campaigns? What kind of people do you need?
2: So obviously if you're not building, if you're building the campaigns and doing stuff internally, you've got to have someone that understands how to build pages and HTML. and. Stuff that that is needed to build your pages, data processing, being able to potentially sort these files and load them in specific ways to map to certain kits, things of that nature, and then good customer service team that can help handle that can help handle the additional resp- responsibility of some of this digital. We do a lot of we do a lot of email stuff now tying to direct mail, so I've got data guys crunching it and saying hey these kits are these types of some of it's for mortgage so you know this kind of refi versus a rate and term versus a cash out versus a investment property so being able to crunch data and someone to be able to build some of these platforms and again if we can't build them we then talk to you guys that can help us build the platform and then we can load that data and and work with you guys in workflows
0: I wanna keep our commitment to all of you to hold you no more than 60 minutes here because I know time is precious. So let's do this right now. If you got value out of Mike, drop some X's and O's there into the chat. LinkedIn, please over on LinkedIn or Zoom here because remember Mike's not feeling well, folks. He pulled himself together for this meeting to deliver you this value because he cares and uh, we're here to help. And so please, there we go. The X's and O's are coming in for you. (laughs) Thank you, Anthony. Excellent work, says Darren. Coakley's giving you a bunch of X and O's. Brett is doing the same. So Mike, we really appreciate you. I want to give you an opportunity to say some closing words here, Mike. Sherry's saying thank you, Mike. Hope you feel better. So Mike, give us your closing thoughts here and then I'll wrap us up.
2: I just thank you for letting me come in and speak. I know you and I do this a couple times a year with some of the new things that we're doing. It's a difficult time right now. We're all struggling with COVID with manufacturing, it's absolutely crazy. We're just all trying to to get through this. Hopefully it will. Like I said, I think August, I'm hoping August will be the worst month. It's it's starting out for us to be a pretty difficult month being able to source paper and material. Hopefully these things will pan out. We're blowing and going. And like I said, anytime we have downturns, again, we have a great management team here. Or when we have downturns, we actually ramp up the marketing. And we usually do That's opposite of what most people do. They all take a step back. We've always done the opposite and we've just been very successful.
0: Mackenzie, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm going to give you the final word to say thank you to Mike and then wrap us up here.
1: Yeah, Mike, thank you so much. Look, everyone, the number one thing, and I was thinking about this last night, what differentiates Mike and their organization from everyone else? they are trailblazers, right? They are looking to the future to figure out how they can continue to bring new value, additional items to their customers in the hope that they're able to actually help those customers increase their sales, increase their retention, whatever that objective is. And so take it from Mike, right? They're willing to take risks and therefore they continue to get the rewards and they show up being customer first always, which always leads to good outcomes. Mike We thank you so much. This has been incredibly valuable for me and for, I know, everyone else on the call. So we really appreciate you taking the time here to share with us your insight.
0: Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Appreciate all of you. All right, folks, have a great rest of the day. Thank you for being here with us. And most of all, thank you, Mike, for your time and all of you who have given us your time this morning. Have a great rest of the day, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks,
1: everyone. And thank you, Dave. Really appreciate it. And great as always.
0: Thank you. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, if you're getting value out of this, it would mean the world to us if you could go over to iTunes and rate and review this podcast. We're still trying to figure out if this is the right name for it. We might go through a renaming. So if you have any suggestions, let me know. And uh, I would love it if you could email us david.rosendahl at mindfireinc.com. If you're hearing this right now, so david.rosendahl at mindfireinc.com just send us a little note. Let us know if you found this episode valuable, if you found it helpful. And also let us know if there's anything else that you would like to hear about on the podcast. We're going to be investing quite a bit into producing these episodes for you. And I want to make sure they're delivering you value. All right. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Talk to you later.